Welcome to the Real Chill Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loisel, and with me is my extraordinary friend over here with the curly hair. Is it curly? I cut it, so it's not so curly so much. It's still curly. Oh, yeah. It's not unruly. Oh, God, I hate that. Hi, everybody. I love that. Hi, it's Mark (laughs) Salcedo here. Hi. (laughs) All right. We have a really great episode this time. I mean, we have good episodes every time, but this Mm. one's really good. Yeah, this is going to be a slam dunk. We're pointing at the bleachers right now. (laughs) Um, We are... Maybe I should just give out social media stuff first. Yeah, let's get that over with. <laughs> um, we have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Real Appeal with two E's in real. Um, and you can also email us at therealappeal at gmail.com. Um, if you like us, review us on, twi- on Twitter, on iTunes. <laughs> I'll review us on Twitter. We'll see it, you know. <laughs> If it's a meme one, I'll probably block you, or I'll just start a Twitter. Or we'll just laugh at you, yeah. like, ha-ha, joke's on you, know, we know yeah. we're stupid. I know, you wasted your time <laughs> tweeting that at us, thanks, <laughs> keep on listening. Um, we're doing 1917 as our recent review, and Hard Boiled as our geriatric cinematic. Um, of course, so we're going to do the news, we're going to do our recent review, um, but we do have some changes that Mark is going to tell you because he's the boss. Yes, I am. <laughs> Don't forget it. Uh, yeah, we've um, we've kind of just been experimenting these past like 32 episodes, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get our format. You know, more than half the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's been a learning experience, and uh, we got we got a more. Uh, concrete structure now. So what we're going to be doing uh, from here on out is uh, we're going to be doing, uh, Kelsey said, we're going to be doing the news uh, at the top of the show, uh, a recent review, and there's going to be a break between that where it's going to be called what we like to call uh, variety time. Uh, that's going to variate between like maybe something that we want to talk about, a personal story, something in the film news that really got our attention, or, you know, we'll see the return of, like, Simon Says or Deathbed Do-Over. And, um, and uh, what we're also going to do is uh, the purpose for this show is to, you know, give us, to give a look at classic cinema and see if they still hold up. But we always strive to have some type of connection between the recent review and our geriatric cinematic, even though we don't really you know, say it or hammer it out or anything like that. But, you know, there's, there's kind of an idea. So what we're going to start doing now is um, we're going to better tell what our connection is, or, or sorry, what the connection is between, this, between these two films. Like, for example, we got 1917 and Hard Boiled, and the connection between the two films and the <coughs> reason why we decided to pick it is track shots. Mm-hmm. So how we're going to do this is uh, during our recent review, we're going to just talk about it in a general sense, try not to spoil it. Then we're going to go into the spoiler section. And we're going to have another section kind of put at the tail end where we're going to talk about a particular, the, the particular connection, which would be track shot for this episode. You know, the next one will be a uh, different connection, but we'll announce that at the end of the show to kind of give you guys a heads up what to expect. Um, same thing goes for Geriatric Cinematic. But more in Geriatric Cinematic... Um, since it's an older movie, there's really no spoiler section. You know, you probably should have seen the movie already. And then, uh, you know, at that tail end, we're going to talk about that connection. And by the end of the 
episode, we're going to see, you know, who did it best, you know, and we're going to ask, you know, Kelsey, the end-all, be-all judge of this, if the if the geriatric cinematic still holds up. See, you might be the boss, mm-hmm. but I'm the judge. You're the judge. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, so are you Judge Judy? Judge Brown? Judge Mabelly? Judge. I'm Judge Judy. So you got a lot of money? Can I have some? No, I'm sarcastic, and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, so you're so you're the you're the reason for like me. Her. Not, so you're for the you're the reason why I shouldn't be listening to Judge Judy because also she has red hair. That's true. Yeah, but she's a bitch. When you get that old, you're gonna be a bitch too. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear a black robe just like you're that. gonna dye your hair red and wear a black robe yeah. and be like. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I slam a gavel and shit like that <laughs> on my front lawn. Get the hell out of here. On your front me. lawn? No, on the concrete so it can make a sound, not like thud. <laughs> <laughs> thud. <laughs> Boom. Thud. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I just want to want to get that out of the way. Um, uh, you know, to let you guys know, because we know you guys are terrified. Make sure, you know, we're doing this thing right. And uh, we got Change is not always bad. Yeah, change is not always bad. This change is not always bad. Uh, but you know you're still gonna get the good laughs. Except when it's pennies. But um. <sighs> <laughs> oh, fuck man. Five minutes in, we got these mom jokes. Woo. Anyway, so we're gonna go ahead and bury that mom joke, and I'm gonna pass it to Kelsey as uh, we get into our news section. All right. Um, we've got. Oscar nominations. Whoa. Boo. Whoa. It's kind of like uh, the Golden Globes all over again. What <sighs> fuck is it ever? <laughs> Shit. Um, best picture. We've got Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. I have not watched Marriage Story, but mm. I saw a video clip today okay. of them fighting. Uh-huh. And Scarlett Johansson had Mickey Mouse voice. And <laughs> <laughs> I thought you was joyless. What? So then you had to go and fuck someone you else? You shouldn't be upset that I yucked her. You should be upset that I had a laugh with her. Do you love her? No, but she didn't hate me. You hated me. You hated me. You fucked someone we worked with. You stopped having sex with me in the last year. I never cheated on you. That was cheating on me. But there's so much I could have done. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I can totally picture that. Guess who Adam Driver was? Goofy? Yes. <laughs> like, geez, Mickey, I don't know why but, you're fighting with like, me. But Mickey Mouse would say fuck. Uh-huh. But, uh, but the dog, he wouldn't say it. He would say yuck. <laughs> say yuck? Yeah. Oh, my God. I got to watch. You got to show me that after. Well, we'll post a link. Yeah, yeah, we'll post a we'll link. We'll post yeah, a link. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Just, I thought that was a good spot to put that. Okay. All right, all right. So, uh, what's up? Who's, who's in the, the lead actor? Lead actor, we got Antonio Banderas uh, for Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix in Joker, and Jonathan Price in The Two Popes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, lead actress, we've got Cynthia Erivo and Harriet, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan in Little Women, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger in Judy. Mm, okay. Um, supporting actor, Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Brad Pitt. You know what they were in if you listened to the episode last year or watched the TV. Mm. Watch the TV. Yeah. Watch the Netflix. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> director Martin Scorsese, Todd Phillips, Sam Mendes, Quentin Tarantino, Bong Joon Ho. For that one, I'm seriously, seriously hoping it's either Sam Mendes or Bong Joon Ho. Mm, okay. Um, Quentin Tarantino, I'm tired of his fucked up looking jaw and his smug look on his face <laughs> and his bad fucking, like, Pat on the back type fucking stories. And I, yeah, I, I honestly would not be surprised if he won for best director because <clears throat> a couple of things. One, it's his ninth film, and the Oscars they tend to be like, let me give him this, you know, because this is ninth film. Because suppose he's going to be retired after his tenth, and it's it's a glory story about Hollywood. So it, it seems possibly he would win. I mean, I don't want him to win. I want I want Sam Witt. Uh, Either one, Sam Mendes or Bong Joon Ho, the one. I maybe I don't know. I, I, maybe I want Sam Mendes more because that movie. And we'll go into um, why why I think about this in 1917. But 1917 was like a, a technical marvel, like it was absolutely amazing. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of leaning to 1917, but mm-hmm. if Parasite wins. I'm all for it. Yeah. Um. Also, Sam Mendes, I just remembered. I think there was also a singer called Sam Mendes. Are you serious? Yeah, he's young. He's dating Camila Cabello. They did that song Senorita together. I have no... I'm old. I have no idea who those people are. I know you've are. heard that song, though. Can you sing it for me? No. <laughs> You're like, no. Uh, adapted screenplay, we got The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, The Two Popes. Are you talking about Sean Mendes? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> what else did you expect uh original screenplay Stop it. <laughs> knives out marriage story 1917 once upon a time in hollywood and parasite mm. um yeah we won't spend too much time thinking about who we think we should win i mean when the oscars comes we'll we'll, I mean, talk, yeah. we'll talk about it besides we've kind of already had this conversation fucking last week yeah with the and they Globes. didn't when they're freaking, I mean, they didn't learn their lesson mm-hmm. because now we're going to get into the 15 biggest snubs and surprises um, for, for Jesus the Oscars. Christ, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I'm really, I'm really bad. I, I'm really upset that uh, Aqua, uh, Aquafina was not nominated, especially Lupi, Lupita Nyanga. Oh, come on. Yeah. How was she not? I, there's a, there was a tweet that I thought was really <laughs> poignant where. The Oscars were like, yeah, we'll we will definitely nominate, um, what's her name, Cynthia uh, Erivo for Harriet, uh-huh. which is essentially like a, a slave story, but so but we won't nominate somebody that's we won't nominate a black actress who's not a slave who gave a, a great performance. Yeah, and it just proves that how how would they love a good slave story? Well, they do because they're like, oh my god, you know, that's like white saviorism at its best. 
because let you know like mm. let's do this slave story so that everyone can be aware of mm. slavery if you didn't know it existed yeah yeah and then you know any good story with black people in it they're like nah yeah nah. not relatable like because i'm not black so yeah yeah exactly i mean don't get me wrong the <clears throat> peter nyanga's performance in uh toby slave was really good oh, but but us show she has range she essentially did two um two like exact opposite characters mm-hmm. and like knocked it out of the park yeah but whatever it's 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 hollywood um let's see <laughs> i want to mention this because I, when i was putting the docket together i didn't do it correctly yeah i saw that and i was like what is this apparently apparently my either me or my laptop really wants uh greta <laughs> gerwig to really is really upset that she was snubbed because it's been copy and paste like 15 times <laughs> Oh, Antonio Banderas yeah, for like Painting Glory twice, yeah. Beyonce. Yeah, Beyonce twice. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what were some of the snubs? Uh, yeah, so Greta Greta Gerwig was snubbed for uh, director Jamie Foxx for Just Mercy, Beyonce's uh, Spirit for The Lion King, Antonio Banderas for Painting Glory, and Florence Pugh. Pugh. Pugh for Little Women. I think who else was snubbed? Um, What's, her, what's his name? Adam Sandler was definitely snubbed for Uncut Gems. Uh, what about Queen Slim? Oh! Yep. Snubbed right there. Um, I think... I don't... I think Adam Sandler really was snubbed, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's not his story, but he did a great... Like, he did a great job acting in that, even though I'm not in love with the story because I couldn't relate to it. Mm-hmm. But I definitely can see talent... When right it, there when it's there yeah absolutely but uh, i mean that's uh, <clears throat> oh no i'm sorry anton benares he wasn't snubbed he was it was a it was a surprise that he was nominated oh for yeah an oscar which i, I mean we we talked to, we talked about it antonio banderas and pain and glory last week and i still kind of feel the same way i'm really surprised he got nominated for an oscar one person that was really snubbed for the oscar was what's his name the guy from rocket man um, oh, um, Edgar. Like Talon Eggert or something like that? Yeah, Taryn Edgerton. Yeah. Eggert. Eggert. Ten. Yeah, normally, <laughs> normally, like, when an actor kind of, like, comes out with a Golden Globe, that's, like, very telling that they're going to be nominated for an Oscar. At least nominated. Mm-hmm. But, nah. Um, there, was, there was a film, they're calling it The New Green Book. <laughs> uh is it Joker? Yeah, they're saying the joke. They're saying Joker is the ne- it will be the next Green Book. Why? It's a white person mm-hmm. who has to understand the evils of his ways, and he does it with the aid of a colored person. No, that is straight Green Book. That's not Joker. That is Joker. He didn't use her to find the error of his ways. He, he was straight up dreaming about her, like daydreaming about her yeah, and shit. But it was it was through the aid of a colored person that showed him that like, oh, life isn't so bad after all. No. Okay. I I with that tweet I saw I fully agree with that tweet. Like the person who like described it, I was just like, yep. No, because totally it's that. not like white saviorism at all. It's not like well, that's the thing. Greenberg wasn't white savior. It was, yes, boy, yeah. It, it was. You're right. It was, okay, there is a white savior aspect in Green, Green Book that's not in the Joker. But seriously, like, oh, I need a black person to show me 
the error of my ways. Because I'm such a horrible person. But she didn't show him the error of his ways. Well, he used it to be shown his error of his ways. Even though it was in his head. That's the whole it's in his head part Mm -hmm. makes that invalid because it's not because she's black. It's not because whatever. He fucking daydreamed the whole thing and then she decided she didn't like him. Mm. Yeah. She didn't like him. I'm trying to find the tweet right now. I can't find it. But please go on. (laughs) Um, We should totally get into the new section here why because i don't think we're gonna see each other's point on this one. Oh, okay okay we won't probably <laughs> we won't we won't anyway, okay so what else have in the news all right parasite hbo limited series in the works from bong joon ho and adam mckay adam mckay did succession then you got parasite Mm. And they're both class stories. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty much an eat the rich story. Um, yes, it's it, it, there's there's really no word on if it's gonna follow the Kim family, or if it's gonna be a totally different story, mm-hmm. or prequel. Like no one knows what it is. They're they're, they're developing it. Who's it's supposed to be for HBO? Um, Adam McKay's work, obviously, Succession, uh, The Big Short, Vice. Uh, I kept thinking he did Bombshell, but he didn't do Bombshell. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of... I don't know how to feel about this. Because, I don't know, Parasite is so perfect, just as it is. Like, it's just like, just leave it. Like, just leave it there. You know? I don't know if I'm really about this. I'm not sure either, but mm-hmm. I feel like... I've seen enough of Succession to know what they're both capable of. Mm. And I'm really curious to see what they're going to do together. Yeah, I mean, Adam McKay does really well when it comes to, like, stories like this. And with a comedic... I think he'll be more of a... He'll, be, he'll, he'll put more of a uh, unamericanized comedy behind it. Mm-hmm. Which is cool, but, like, I don't know. Parasite just seems... That movie seems so perfect. I just don't... I don't want anybody touching that. Yeah. But, I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, I would have said the same thing about Watchmen. Like, I feel like it should join the Criterion Collection. Parasite? Yeah. Oh, I don't doubt it. I do not doubt that that will not happen. At all. It won't happen? Yeah, it won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't doubt it. It, it will happen. It will def- it's definitely going to end up on the Criterion Collection. Cool. Uh, okay, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the only thing we got. That's the only news we got about... Um, Parasite uh, become an HBO limited series, but something I know Kelsey and I are really looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's finally coming back. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't actually see the last season. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> I thought you. I thought you saw the second season. I didn't because you were watching it, and I, I was doing something in the morning. Mm. I don't remember what. I think it's. I think both seasons are on Hulu now. Uh, yeah, so Atlanta's come back in 2021. Um, you know, they got the official good to go. Um, excuse me. It was announced at the uh, Cable's Television Critics Association press tour in Pasadena uh, this past Thursday. Uh, John Lang- Langraff, chairman of Fox, announced that there's going to be uh, two installments. So 
is going to be called they're they're calling it season three and season four, which is essentially part one and part two. Um, they're going to do ten episodes, the first ten episodes in January of twenty twenty one, and then the remaining eight because they had planned eighteen will come out in the fall later that year. Um, they say some of the filming is going to be in the titular city of Atlanta, but we'll also be shooting outside the U.S. Uh, it, which goes in, which goes in line to what happened at the end of the second season. The 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 uh, paperboy and his boys and everything they were heading out of the, out of the country for a tour. Yeah, I'm. Everybody's been pining for this. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think was it last year or two? I think 2018. Uh, I got a quick interview with Zazie Beats and asked her about it. I was mm-hmm. like, what's up with Atlanta? She's like, oh, we don't know. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And rightfully so, because, you know, Donna Glover's been, like, super duper busy. I with, know. like, filming and movies and music and everything. Like, we saw a concert. Yeah. Guava Island came out. I freaking love that movie. Guava Island? I love it. I remember we saw, you were kind of, like, iffy on it. That's the one with Rihanna. Yeah. Now you love it? I do. What? Because I sat on it. You know, like, you're just sitting there thinking, like, uh-huh. I was kind of iffy on it, but I actually love it. Okay. All right. I haven't, I haven't really, I haven't really rethought about it uh, since that night we saw it. So, I don't know. Maybe if I, maybe I'll revisit it just to watch Donald Glover again. Um, I think it's, I think it's because it was so short. Yeah, and the and the and the the plot was like paper thin. And yeah, and the plot was paper thin. But if you really just look at it as like an extended music video, which I started mm-hmm. reading articles afterwards, I was yeah. like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And then when he's singing to Re- to Rihanna on the beach. Yeah. Um, and you always see that little clip. Um, when you're scrolling through Facebook and Amazon Prime would be like advertising, it was always Guava Island the entire time. Yeah. And um. I never scrolled past it. I watched it every single time. Oh, okay, gotcha. I, you know what? No, it, it kind of reminds me of, um, like, I don't know what they're called. They're called, but they're like they're movie link. They're called. They're almost like movie link videos. Um, like Beyonce did Lemonade. Mm-hmm. Um, the most famous one is like Michael Jackson's like Moonwalker stuff like that. So it might have been in like in the vein of that. You know, it's it's a, it's a movie, but it's really just like a kind of a music video. Yeah. So yeah. Whatever. But, but, Atlanta's coming back. I, in all honesty, I would not be surprised if the end of, if they, if it got announced or the, at the end of season four, that was like the final episode. Because, now, I mean, not only is Donald Glover being busy, but Zazie Beats is incredibly busy. Uh, Lakeith's, um, what's his name? Lakeith Stanfield's very busy. Um, what's Paperboy's name? I keep forgetting his name. I keep forgetting his name too, but it oh. begins with a, there's a T in there somewhere. Yeah, they're, they're, these the four leads they're like super busy with like film projects, TV shows, and stuff like that. So I would not be surprised if they were just like, yeah, we're done with Atlanta. When did um, when did the your favorite director come out with that movie with him in it? He was in it for a little bit. Ooh. That one the um the story Barry. Uh, that's his last name. Barry? I think so. He's a black director. Oh, Barry Jenkins? Yeah, Barry Jenkins. Okay, which one are you talking about? you talking about um, <clears throat> Bill Street Could Talk? Yeah. Did that come out last year? I or 2019? Like Brian, T- Brian Tyree Henry. There you go. I think it came out 2019. I think it came out at the beginning of 2019. So that one got snubbed too. 
No, no, I think that. Or it was came, that just it came out, at it came the end out, of award season? No, it came out in 2018 because I remember I remember that film not being nominated, and I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. Barry Jenkins won for like Moonlight the year the prior year. Got it. So yeah, whatever, whatever. My boy, <clears throat> my boy, be coming back soon. Awesome. Okay, I have to tell you that DJ Qualls came out as gay on Twitter. You actually have somewhat of a. I don't know, personal connection, but you you feel a connection to this guy, right? I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen, I don't know, he's just like really, you don't forget him when you see him. Like, I remember him in Supernatural, mm-hmm. and I've seen him here or there. He's been in Fargo. Mm. When we were at San Diego Comic-Con, first of all, he showed up and you could tell he was hungover as shit. Okay. <laughs> 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 which made it even kind of better right yeah um we were doing um like round table interviews or whatever yeah this was for creep show right because he was on there yeah okay and um you know he was talking about how insecure he was with acting and all of these things and um i don't know there was just something about how he was talking about it and like it seemed kind of like personal. It kind was of like personal a, and real, yeah, you yeah. know, and how he he has to set himself up for every role that he does and mm. like he overthinks it. And if the director asks him for something different than what he's thinking is going to happen, yeah, it throws him off. Okay. Like, he has to really prepare. And um, like he, he was giving a story about Fargo where there was a scene where he had to jump off the top of a train mm-hmm. and it was cold outside. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, he got in his mind that he could not jump without a pair of gloves on. Okay. Like he asked for a pair of gloves. So he said that in, if you, I don't know what season or what episode, Yeah. but if you see him jump off a train, you'll see him without gloves. And when mm-hmm. he's in the air and it's like, you know, the camera looking up. Yeah. It's a close up. It's a bit of a close up shot, but like he's jumping over the camera. Yeah. He's wearing gloves, and then when he's landed, there's no gloves again. Okay. Because he's like, because I just couldn't jump without these gloves. Yeah. Um, and I actually told him afterwards, like, when we were done interviewing, um, I was like, you know, I actually really appreciate, you know, like, your, um, your honesty and your vulnerability. Like, it's really nice to see that actors are fucking real people, too. Yeah. And, um... He actually really appreciate. He's like, I really appreciate that. And he's like, can I give you a hug? And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he invited us to go drinking with him. Oh, that's right. And we did it. And we didn't. You should have got his number. We could have like texted him like, yo, dude, where you No, at? you were not in the mood. You were spiraling. Was that that day? Oh, yeah. But I got drunk that night. Because you know? we weren't supposed to get drunk that night. Oh, I got drunk the night prior. And, and then, no, 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 no. We got drunk that, you guys got drunk that night, and mm. I didn't. Mm. Um, you and James did. Uh. Because you wanted to go to that one barcade, and I was upset because we were going to, we had a set day where we were going to get all get drunk because we didn't have a lot, a lot of money to do it every single night. So, so. why didn't you get drunk with us that night? Because I was waiting for the night we were supposed to. No, you could have. And we had interviews the next day. So you could have made it a twofer. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so why are we talking about DJ, DJ Qualls? Because I like the guy. <sighs> okay. Because <laughs> um, he came he came out as gay on Twitter. He, well, not awesome. even on Twitter. He like he did a comedy um, 
skit or something. Yeah, he was on stage with uh, Jim Jeffrey in San Diego. Yeah, and that's when he he came out as gay, and Mm. then he tweeted about it afterwards. That's good. That's good on him. Yeah, I saw some of the um, I saw some of the the uh, the comments on uh, on Twitter. A lot of people were like, "Good on you, man! Like, congratulations!" I would never thought that dude was gay. Yeah, I mean. I didn't really think about it much either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually really happy to see, yeah, most of the comments I've seen. I've not actually not seen um, a, whole a lot negative of one. Yeah. You should hit them up. Be like, yo, we talked at Comic-Con. <laughs> I said, you connection. You know, you want to do an interview? <laughs> Look, that bar that he went to that night, uh-huh. that's his favorite one. He goes to see his friend every six weeks or so that lives in San Diego. So, so we just have to wait at the bar. Uh-huh. For weeks. No, 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 no. We can time it. We can time it. We can go from like, for, we can try to remember from San Diego Comic Con and just do six weeks and just do the math there. <laughs> and then hopefully within that next, that one particular week, we'll, we'll nail it. Mm. Oh, hey, what are you doing here, man? He Holy was probably shit. just there for New Year's and shit. Oh, I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, he yeah. probably wouldn't hang out with his friend down there. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I think I think we'll be going to San Diego Comic Con again uh, this year, and maybe we'll see him. Maybe we'll bump into him. Yeah, you know, and he'll get us into the cool, you know, Hollywood parties and shit. As <laughs> I shrug my shoulder like I'm cool, like that one guy from Hard Boil. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's about it. That's All right, that. yeah, that's it. We have to get on to our favorite part of the show. Uh, we are going to do our recent review of 1917. In your own time, gentlemen. Must be something big if the channel's here. You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, it will be a massacre. We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line. If we're not clever about this, no one will get to your brother. I will. The IMDb synopsis for this one is two young British soldiers during the First World War are given an impossible mission. Not a mission impossible. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Uh, deliver a message deep in enemy territory that will stop 1,600 men and one of the soldiers' brothers from walking straight into a deadly trap. It is directed by Sam Mendes, who's best known for Skyfall, Jarhead, and American Beauty. Um, he co-wrote it with Christy Wilson Cairns, best known for Last Night in Soho and Penny Dreadful. She's, she's on Last Night in Soho? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It stars Dean Charles Chapman as Lance Corporal Blake, George McKay as Lance Corporal Schofield, Daniel Mays as Sergeant Sanders, and Colin Firth as General Aaron Moore. There are lots and lots and lots of people in this film, as are, like... Like the extras and stuff like that? Yeah, like any war movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, hopefully there's not anyone more important on the list, Um, but there's just so many names, Mm -hmm. and I kind of just kept it to the four people that were... The main. Oh, gotcha. Uh, all right. So, you want to go first? No, I'm going to let you lead. Oh, okay. Because you have a lot to say with this one. Um, all right. A <laughs> little bit of insight. Uh, I'm a sucker for a track shot. Mm. I 
love track shots. Lars Scorsese's one of the kings of track shots. Um, like in Goodfellas, great track shot. Uh, uh, Park Chan Wook for Oh Boy, one of the greatest track shots ever. House on Haunted Hill. House on Haunted Hill. They did that one track shot at the funeral home. And you oh, about no, lost no, your no. mind. No, no, no. That's a lot. That's that's not, that's uh, a haunting on Hill House. That's what I meant. Yeah, ha- House on Haunted Hill. What <laughs> the Vincent Price film? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's oh, that's another great example. That's another great example of a track shot. I think that those tracks are for like fifteen minutes each or some shit. So, um, this film, it's it okay. It's not it's not essentially an entire track shot, but it's shot like it is a track, like one continuous take. Um, they do a lot of clever edits to kind of get around that and stuff like that, um, which is very it's just very seamless. Um, if I remember without right, without giving anything away, how many how many times were you able to pick out where they where, where, where they, they could have edited. edited it uh i off the top of my head i might be i probably can say maybe like seven or eight i can really? i can think of yeah but like i kind of like I, I know and i know and i remember that you had said that like you caught you caught maybe like three or something like no, that. no there i thought there were only three segments because every time you pass someone mm. and it you know like and it's black yeah I don't count that because it really it looks continuous. Like there's not a really good way to fake that. Well, that that's the thing. They they can't. There is a way to fake that, especially if the camera is so close to that person's back. You just essentially see like you barely Blackness. can see. Yeah, or you can barely see like the lining of the person's like shoulders. You can kind of get an idea of that's the track shot. Some of them are kind of. Um, some of them are kind of noticeable. Like there's a scene where they go into a bunker and it goes dark. And if I was a director, I'd be like, "Perfect time to cut, like yeah. right there." That, that's a, that's an easy that's an easy move. Um, but the continuous shots, the edits, or everything—it's so well done. It like you are in this movie. You're with them, like you're like one hundred percent with them. A soldier with them. Yeah, and I even got a sense of like claustrophobia, especially like the parts where they were going into the bunkers because mm-hmm. the cameras were so tight on them. And yeah, you were like. It was essentially like an over-the-shoulder shot, like a vid- like a third-person uh, video game, but mm-hmm. closer. So you weren't able to really see everything that's going on around them. Uh, but like they're like, I, I will admit that the, the script is kind of thin. I mean, it's, but it's a simple premise where they have to get this message across mm-hmm. and they have to save this guy. Which, if you think about it, Saving Private Ryan did the same thing. They uh-huh. have to, they have to save this guy. There's a huge argument going on right now with really? people that this movie is just another rehash of saving private ryan mm, i mean i know saving private ryan is not the only one who's done stuff like that where the, you know a, a team have to go save a particular individual who's in danger who doesn't know they're in danger that's not that's not an original idea mm-hmm. i can see the comparison because it's war it's during war but you gotta admit, like Sam Mendes, he did this because this was like a story that his like grandfather told him. Mm-hmm. So it, this is this was like a common occurrence kind of thing, right? They had you know, and and I don't know the details of this of this event or how closely it is to the real story, but I don't I don't doubt that like this really happened. You know, maybe it wasn't one guy, maybe maybe it had been a series of men, mm-hmm. but it just seemed more compelling to follow two guys who are who could possibly die at any moment. Right, and you got that real atmosphere, especially like 
one part where they have to cross, I mean, this is not spoiled, but where they have to cross what's known as no man's land. It's this constant tension for like, what, 15 minutes? Yeah. And it's it's just, oh, it's so nerve wracking. <laughs> um, I think they did a really good job of adding personal touches where, you know, it's not like a big American macho war mm. story yeah. where it's all guns and shooting all the time mm. it's like real people with a real life like going going out there and like doing these things and you get to see the horror on their faces or the tiredness like how weary they are yeah um you see like the bodies they have to encounter yeah Oh, yeah. oh, gruesome. <laughs> there was one part I can't wait to talk about. <laughs> Is it the one with the hand? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that shit was horrible. Um, so that's what I like about it is when, like, aside from the track shot, mm-hmm. what draws you in mm. is how connected you get to the characters. Yeah, you, uh, I, I did hear a complaint that, like, Someone didn't feel a connection with, with one of the characters. And I was just like, yo, what the fuck? What movie were you watching? Yeah. Um, there, you do feel... It's funny because, like, you really... Like, when you when you watch, like, a typical film, you know, they, they, there's, there's methods of them, like, telling time and stuff like that. And sometimes you might spend, like... You might figure it might be a day or a week or a month or a couple of years with a particular character. Um, but your brain kind of, like, tr- tells you, like, oh, I've been with this guy for, like, five years. Yeah, you know, something, something like that. It makes you get that connection. But in this movie, it takes over the course of like, I think the course is supposed to be over like what twelve hours or something like that. That they have to get this message across. Yeah. But like, I don't know. It's so weird because like the the lapse of time, you really feel like you're like walking with these people for like three hours. Actually, I think it's twenty four hours. Was it twenty four hours? Yeah, because I think if they leave in the morning. Yeah, they left in the afternoon, and he barely got there, kind of like when day broke and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you got a sense of, like, it was weird. Like, you, like the way how the movie played out, you felt like, wow, I'm really, like, walking with this dude for, like, three or four hours. Or these guys for three to four hours, right? Yeah. And, but you've really just been with him for, like, 20 minutes. I don't know, because you, you feel the weight of time that these characters felt. Yeah, because you're walking with them essentially, yeah. you know, and going through the bunkers with them and that's mm. that's the camera telling you what time it is because yeah. you're going through this and that and the other thing with them mm. and you're seeing time as they experience it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I... I pff, shit, we didn't go into spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a... It's, um, if you guys aren't going to go into this, if you guys have not seen it and you're going to stop listening until you get into the spoiler section or until you watch it, um, we'll, I'll say this. I'm not going to speak for Kelsey, but I'll say it's it's perhaps one of the it's one of the it's probably one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Now, I won't say the, but it's top. It's like one of the top greatest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, because I'm just I was in all of this movie like. There's only very few movies that, like, I've walked out of the theater and I want to turn around and watch it again. Like, yeah. immediately. <laughs> immediately. We, we literally got out into the parking lot uh-huh. and you're like, oh my God. Like, it was like, <laughs> it was like you were on a drug that got you so fucking amped up mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. 
And then you were just like going crazy. Like your brain was firing in all directions. You're like, oh my God, oh my God. And this part, and this part. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing. Like, we, Kelsey and I, we like a good story, but we, we are huge fans of like seeing something amazing. And we're just like, how do they do that? We, mm-hmm. we, we, and we, we like think over it and like we like try to pick it apart and try to see like the scenes. And we, but like when we walked out of the theater, I remember you looked at me and you're like, what did you think? And I was just like, oh. And then I end up like banging my head against the door, like done. I don't. I can't think. It's so good. Like my brain just blew the fuck out. Yeah, and then I had to put it all back in, and it was really gross. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but what 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 are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on this on the film? I have seen a few war movies, mm-hmm. and this one takes the cake. Mm, okay. Um, I will say even more than Dunkirk. Yeah, you really like Dunkirk. And I really like Dunkirk. Mm. Like, I don't, if, if Dunkirk, like if, um, if 1917 is a 10, mm. Dunkirk is maybe like eight and three quarters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, it's kind of funny how you say it because we're going to be, we're actually going to kind of get into that in our variety time. We're going to talk about the merits of Dunkirk and... 1917. Yeah. We're not going to spoil 1917, but we'll, we'll do some comparisons and stuff like that. Because it's a, you know, it's a, uh, was Dunkirk World War II or World War One? World War Two. Okay, yeah. Dunkirk is World War Two, 1970 is World War One, but like there are a lot of similarities and kind of like in the storytelling. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, is there anything else? Um, nope. I think I would like to get into the spoiler section. You can start again. <laughs> you want me to start again? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So I knew something was truly, I knew this film was truly something special when there is a scene where they end up, they have to go through no man's land. They have to get to the other side. They, they have to get to the front line where the enemy's at, or the, supposedly the enemy's at, and they have to go down to the trenches because they have to cross this area they go into this bunker and like it's dark but they're like getting their way through and everything and they're like discovering and stuff and there's a scene where like they have it's a room and it's there it's like hanging food and like in a in a in a sack or whatever right mm-hmm. and there's a part where like they're gonna go in through the door and the guy realizes he's like oh shit there's a tripwire and it's like oh shit there's a tripwire but you don't you don't have time to like think like oh my god it's tripwire because out of nowhere the sack of food drops with a rat and then the rat crosses the tripwire and it's like this moment of like oh shit oh, oh, and no the, I don't think the rat crossed the tripwire okay the rat scared one of the soldiers and the soldier accidentally tripped over it really? trying to get the rat I thought the rat tripped I thought the rat hit the tripwire I don't think I don't think so it was really fast though yeah well that's the thing yeah it was like fast but like your brain is like it like it, like it jumps from like like while you're in it, it, it there's like levels of like terror that jumps. You're like you're already like really cautious, right? Yeah. Like this is enemy territory. This is like there's German writing on the walls. Yeah, there's German bunkers. Their bunkers are better. Like why did they abandon 
the fucking bunker. Yeah. So you're already your your tension is already at what like a four mm-hmm. at, at like from there, and yeah. then it jumps to like it quickly jumps to like a six, and then a seven, and then like ten uh-huh. immediately, and like the exp- and like I said, it's the camera's tight with the characters. It's a track shot. So it just happens so fast, you f- you almost feel the fucking explosion. Right. And I remember le- looking at you, and I went, yo, fuck this movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me of Uncut Gems, where I was just like, nerve, like, my nerves were just so, like, shaking and shit. Yeah. Um, I actually thought it was interesting how many times they came across something that would lead you to believe that someone was nearby and they never encountered anybody mm-hmm. like that bucket of hot coals oh yeah before they entered the bunker yeah 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 um and you would think that that's why you're already like oh fuck somebody's nearby but yeah. you never really encounter anybody mm. um and then uh when they finally get to that house with the cherry trees that are chopped down oh yeah i like that setup that was like a good that was a good setup that would later come on. Yeah. Mm. Um it kind of made you believe that someone was around too because there was uh, like a milk like a bucket of milk from the from cow, cow that they just milked. Yeah, yeah. And it was fresh enough that the guy was like, "Oh, this is good milk." Like Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, they always le- they always left you with an idea of like somebody could be around at any moment and you don't know if that's the enemy or a uh, friend the first time they really encounter an enemy mm-hmm. i thought it was really interesting how they did it you talking about the the plane crash yeah okay go 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 into detail with that so they come to the house nobody's in the house nobody's in the backyard um they find the milk and you know one of the guys is like putting the milk in his canteen Mm. and then they see three planes in the air and two of them are going after one plane Mm. and so it was two friendlies going after a german plane Mm. well they shot the german plane down Mm. and it comes towards the guys you know in the barn area um and you know it crashes or whatever but the guy inside the german guy is still alive and he is like partially on fire Mm. So they drag him out and, uh, you know, of course, the the soldier that's the brother, mm-hmm. uh, Lance Corporal Blake. Yeah. Um, he is like, no, give him water. We're not going to kill him. Like, give him water. Yeah. He needs water. So, of course, um, the guy he's traveling with, Lance Corporal Schofield, mm. goes to get the water and yeah, the, the nasty ass fucking brown water. Yeah, and the camera like follows him. Yeah, it yeah. follows him so you don't see what happens yeah. to uh, Lance Corporal Blake. Yeah. And all of a sudden you hear him yelling and then you turn back and the fucking, the German pilot stabbed him. Yeah. So you're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And it's this very touching moment, like... When the dude's trying to save him. It was fucking heartbreaking watching that dude die. Yeah, it was. So, like, um, they had a scene earlier in the movie where they were arguing because Schofield is like, why did you fucking choose me for this? Yeah. After yeah. the bunker collapsed on. And Schofield almost died. And then, of course, yeah, Blake, Blake saved it. him. Yeah. Um, so he's pissed off. Like, why'd you fucking choose me? Mm-hmm. 
well, they get over it and everything. And now Blake is dying and he's like trying to save him. Like, I can carry you to the next medic. Like, you know, it's not that far. Mm -hmm. And um, he's like, no, I can't walk. It hurts too much. Yeah. And then, you know, he keeps trying to like put bandages or fabric you know and it just soaks through and then he's like i'm he starts like hallucinating yeah he's like what happened like oh shit i'm i'm shot i'm like did we get into a fight and stuff like that yeah and uh and then he realizes he's dying and yeah um and it's it sucks because too late all of a sudden here's a bunch of friendlies who show up mm-hmm. just passing through with this truck they probably could have saved him too yeah they could have probably could have saved him or yeah. something um yeah and like when the movie starts you're led to believe that that blake is going to be it's essentially going to be like the lead on um it's going to be a lead in the movie and it like transfers from blake to schofield and now schofield's story Schofield has to make that. And Schofield, Schofield, like he was said earlier, like, why did you choose me? Like, why did you fucking choose me to go on this mission? And he becomes, within, like, I guess within that maybe 30-second window, he becomes the reluctant hero. Yeah. And it was, like, a great transfer because there was a, no way it was, like, jarring or took anything away. You didn't, you weren't like, oh, Blake who? You're like, fuck, he's doing this for Blake now. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there, not only has he got to get the message across, he has to save the guy's brother and he has to tell the dude's brother you're like, he has to tell Blake's brother, like, your brother's dead, man. I'm sorry. So now he has like three missions to go on. Exactly. Which is really intense. Yeah. Um, yeah, that plane crash, that plane, cr- I remember my, my mind was blown with that plane crash scene mm-hmm. because it, it, you see the plane crash and like, you're like, holy shit, okay, they're, they're going to do some type of weird cutaway or they, this is where they're going to edit it. No, the camera just follows and you see like a dude in the plane. Yeah. Like, pl- I'm like, whoa, whoa, how do they do that? Like, did they really make a dude crash a fucking plane? <laughs> and it was, fuck, it was great. <laughs> um, you were talking about claustrophobia. Mm-hmm. I definitely felt like I felt that mm. when they were in that truck. Yeah. There was too many people in that truck. This guy is going, like, mourning his friend dying. And mm. these guys are fucking talking about bullshit. Yeah, joking around. He can't, and he, he can't join in because he saw he saw his friend die yeah um and they don't make it very far up the road before they can't go any further anyway like there's a scene where he has to get out and push the truck and he's like really kind of distraught yeah and then they come across another roadblock and then that's where he finally meets other enemies yeah and it goes into like well i i have to i have to let's go back to the truck um the truck scene I didn't think about it until, like, right now, but that shit was so sweet how, like, because it's, it's a camera, you know? It's not, like, this little handheld thing. They were able to fit that camera into the truck and put you, like, essentially between two guys and watch the lead and then follow him back out. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this after we saw it, that there has to be, like, a documentary being made of, like, how this movie was made. Yeah. I, I gotta see, like, the behind-the-scenes footage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, he goes to travel, he does this kind of stuff, and then eventually comes the night scene. Yeah. Like, he he ends up getting shot at. Yeah. Um, and he falls down the stairs, and when he wakes up, like, because he got knocked out, like, he's got, like, blood coming out of the back of his head. And yeah, and he's across, like, this village, or he's, like, in the city, and he has to get through. What, what were those flares called that were blowing up the night so he can... Uh, he they're gets called uh, Cluster... 
Cluster flares. I cluster think. flares. Uh, cl- cluster flares. Mm-hmm. Okay. That scene with him, like how the camera dropped out from the building, drops down and follows him, and the music just swells. Uh huh. And the lights and like the, how the camera is shot. Uh huh. My mouth was just on my jaw was on the floor well before that it starts with him going back up the stairs that he fell down uh oh yeah you see the the dead soldier uh, the german guy Mm. just dead sitting there and you see all this orange and white light oh yeah and it's just like it's almost like a dream because you can see the shadows moving yeah and you're like what the fuck is that and then he goes outside and he's almost like in a trance because he's still kind of dazed yeah um sam mendes did an interview uh at the DGA uh, in regards to that scene. And he said that scene was hit, was a descent into hell. Oh, okay. And that's why you see like the orange sky, the orange night sky, the, the lights, the, the flares bringing out these lights. And the, isn't it like over a cemetery or something? Well, you know, it's, it's just through like a broken, a broken city. Mm. And even like the Nazis that were that were seeing him around, they looked like demons because you you never saw their face. Yeah, and they were chasing after him, and it's a beautiful shot. Like I I, I want to go watch it again just alone for, just to see that shot because mm-hmm. it was I couldn't believe what the fuck I was watching. Exactly, and it 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 it, it starts turning into like this whole mythic. Simmons has said also that it when. That night scene comes, it turns into like into this mythical story, because uh, he's chased by the Nazis. You know, he encounters he encounters like this French woman who has a baby who she doesn't know who the mother is. Mm-hmm. And I took it as like it's like a lost soul trying to find their way out of hell. Yeah, like if it was a video game, yeah, she like would it, be like, "Here, here's this for your yeah, journey." It'd be like like a scene from like God of War, or like Dante's Inferno. You know, that was on the <laughs> PS4, I think. Um, but yeah, he goes and he like chased by the Nazis. He jumps into this river, goes over like this waterfall and he's like going through this water and it's a very beautiful scene because you see the cherry blossoms again. Yeah. Showing up. But then he starts coming upon like these piles and piles of bodies. Uh huh. And you, from, at Sam Mendes, I said there's an interview that it was like him going through the river of sticks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because he gets to the end and you hear this angelic song. Uh-huh. Of that dude singing. And it's a very beautiful moment. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> my God. <laughs> we have to talk about the scene with the hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he cut his hand. Schofield cut his hand on a barbed wire when he was holding it open for um, Blake. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, they end up like in a, in a ditch with dead bodies. Yeah. And like... Blake bumps into him, and he ends up putting his hand, this like open hand, exposed hand, yeah, through a dead guy's chest. Yeah, and there were like rats already in there. Yeah, and I was just, and I remember, I remember, I remember, I jumped, and I remember people in the in the theater were like, (laughs) it it was just because it was so out of nowhere. I was even mildly grossed out, and I don't get grossed out by things. Um. Uh, going going back to this interview, I heard um, uh, Sam Mendes had said that his grandfather would wash his hands uh, excessively when he was growing up. That he noticed that his grandfather would always wash his hands, and uh, I believe his mother or his aunt, some some relative, had told him because he asked like, "Why does Granddad always wash his hands?" And they said, "Well, during the war, 
he couldn't get the mud off. There was so much mud. It was so dirty. And I'm wondering if he told him that story like, yeah, I saw a guy's hand get stuck in a body or something like that. Maybe that kind of affected him. I'm thinking there's that that whole hand thing is like there's, it's steeped in realism. It's yeah, like in it has to be. Yeah. yeah. So um, what do you think about that? That movie. Uh, 1917? Yeah. <sighs> should it, people go watch it? Oh, yeah. 100%. This is, and this is not a movie that you should... This is not a movie you should wait until it comes out on Blu-ray. And don't take your little children with you because then you're going to be worried about how they're feeling or whatever. Mm. Go watch it with adults who will enjoy it. Watch it in theater. We saw it... Or by yourself. Yeah. We saw it in IMAX. From what I was told, that was like the best way to watch it. And holy shit. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful to watch it in IMAX. Yeah. Uh, yeah, highly recommend it. To I highly, highly, highly recommend people will watch it. I would not be surprised if Sam Mendes won for best director, at least for best picture, because mm-hmm. it is a it is an incredible piece of cinema. It is, in my opinion, it's something that filmmakers should strive for. Not to like do a track shot film like this, mm-hmm. but they should strive to like push the limits of mm-hmm. cinema. Like challenge themselves to do better than anyone else has ever done. Yeah, something new. I tend to create a uh, create. I tend to critique uh, certain directors based off their work and just see like if they're challenging themselves, they're pushing themselves, if they're stand, stepping out of their comfort zone. Like you know, David Bowie said, you know, if you just if you're on the ocean and if your feet can barely touch the floor, you're you're bound to do great things because you're challenging yourself. Sam Mendes did that. He was like, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna try to make it as hard for me as possible and he fucking knocked it out of the park yeah what about you what'd you think oh i love this movie <laughs> i actually since i've already seen it i'm tempted to take my kids but cadence already doesn't want to go see it because she doesn't like a, sad things it is a bloody movie it's a very violent movie so i went uh, to violent movies growing up that violent well that gory yeah fuck i'm sorry what did you watch growing up mr hbo at night Oh, yeah, I did watch The Predator a lot. Yeah. Up. And I ran Elm Street. And... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, they got to learn. They got to learn. <laughs> All right. Now, on to our uh, new structure of segment. Uh, we're going to do variety time. All right. Now, Dunkirk is the natural choice to talk about uh, opposite 1917 because that came out fairly recently. Mm. Um, They're both war movies. They both have great cinematography. Um, But it's just interesting to look at them and see, you know, the the differences and the similarities. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, we got out of the movie theater after watching 1917. That was one of my first comments, like, Oh, about Dunkirk? Yeah, like, they're wildly different, but they're, like, also really similar. Yeah, like, they take they take the format of, of, of how you perceive time in a story, and they've kind of, they've done their own thing with it, but they've made very intriguing choices with that. Um, like, in Dunkirk, you know, if you guys haven't seen it, I mean, like, come on, it's been out for, like, at least a good year. Um... Dunkirk, you know, they the, the the level of time that's told is kind of back and forth and it's like it's kind of shattered. You have to put the pieces back together. Yeah. You know, and it's it's very interesting because your your brain's kind of like, well, where am I at? Who's this and everything? And in 1917, 
you're kind of you have more of an idea where you're at, but there's so much kind of confusion in a way because there's so much going on mm-hmm. that you almost like lose track of time. Mm-hmm. Even though you feel like you've been on this long journey with these characters, right? So that, I mean, that's, I think that's really interesting. How like you know, I, I think I've heard your argument as well uh, online about how people are comparing this to Dunkirk, especially right. like in the time the time part. I really think Dunkirk was more. They wanted you to feel the war mm-hmm. as like an ominous presence, almost. Yeah. Almost like the war itself was coming alive. Yeah, it's like the, the it's you you're breathing in the war. It's yeah. in the air. It's like yeah, it's like if the air became like turned into smoke or something. Yeah. And yeah. they really did that with sound. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the sound of the planes, and there was like. Definitely like an ambient noise that was like almost always there. In uh, Dunkirk? Or? In Dunkirk. Okay. Um, and he didn't do that with oh, 1917. Yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of quietness, but like, it was almost like, it was still like your enemy. Yeah. But like it was so quiet. It's so quiet. It's almost like, you know, when your kids are fucking up because they're too quiet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I'm, I'm used to hearing kids running around all of a sudden like, why is it quiet? What happened? And then, yeah. of course, it's, it's always bad. Oh, look, a rat. Yeah. Oh, a rat. Or like, oh, they stuck the peanut butter in the DVD player or something like that. Oh, my God. Peanut butter. I have a story. Okay. <laughs> my mom went to sleep, and when she woke up in the morning, and my brothers were real little, mm-hmm. they saw Parent Trap, and they were really scared that someone was going to come in and rob my mom or something. Okay. And so they made a trap. Okay. And they took all of her yarn uh-huh. and they s- pulled it all apart and they like made circles around her and we had like a cutout underneath of the the counter. Okay. So they were like going under there with the yarn and like wrapping it around everywhere and they put peanut butter, you know, like the old TV sets. Yeah, yeah. That were big with the big speakers built in. Yeah. yeah. We had that mm. and they smeared peanut butter all over it. <laughs> Why do they smell peanut butter on the TV? I don't know. And they took a stick of butter. Okay. And they threw it. They threw it up in the air. <laughs> and it stuck to the ceiling. And uh, Why? Why do they stick butter wait, in the ceiling? Oh, wait, there's uh, more. Holy shit. My mom said. She made them clean it up, mm-hmm. but the only thing they couldn't clean up was the butter. <laughs> and so it and just slowly had melted. <laughs> and it would just drip. <laughs> like, it was there forever. <laughs> How long did it take? Was it like a couple hours? Like a no, day? I, don't, I think it was like days. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It was days. Oh, was your mom? I think your mom was mad. I've met your mom, so she I think was she was pissed. You know what? You know what? And I didn't. I wasn't there. I didn't do that. You know what? If I if my daughter did that, I don't think I would stay mad. I'd be like, "What the? What happened? What were you thinking? What's going on?" At the same place, I dropped a flat of eggs and decided it would be a good idea to use my little brother. Who, you know, he had on a sweater that looked really absorbent. So I was like, I'm just going to drag you through it with your feet, you know, and use your body to mop it up. See? Use your little brother as a And the yolk stained the linoleum floor. Uh, It was like stained forever. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, the, the 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 British they fought the Germans with peanut butter and yarn and butter and Dunkirk. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, I really think that the the way they tell the story is very different. Mm-hmm. Like. Dunkirk doesn't have a lot of dialogue. I think 1917 has more dialogue in it. Yeah. Like, way more dialogue. Yeah. Um, you get a, a more of a sense of loathing in Dunkirk. Mm. Like, what is going to happen next? Yeah. You get dread. Not loathing, but dread. Yeah, okay. Um, but you feel for this character because you want him to... He's the only character you know, so you want him to... Um, you want him to like survive and make it out, mm-hmm. um, and you kind of get um, close to the father and son on the boat oh, towards yeah. the end, like yeah. the two sons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the similarity there would be, and I, I can't really say, but there's something that happens in, in, in 1917. 19. Oh yeah, like the, you mean. You mean like you're feeling a connection in Dunkirk with the father and son, and you're feeling connection with one of the characters um, in, in 1917 that has to do with family, but it's more of a surprise in 1970 because it gets you. Uh, I think what you're trying to get at is like the character, the the relations in the in the character in 1970 is more of a more of like a slam surprise because you're like holy shit, yeah. But you you completely empathize with that character. You even empathize with. Um, one of the other, another character he bumps, he bumps along later when that character gets bad news. Well, what I'm saying is there's more character development in mm. 1917, so okay. you follow these two soldiers around. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where I'm, what I'm saying there. Oh, it's okay, like Dunkirk, okay. there's not really a whole lot of character development, mm-hmm. um, but the father and sons, mm. like you feel that. Okay, yeah, I got you. I got you. And in 1917, there's character development from the beginning, so you feel everything. But there's definitely parts where you feel it more. Mm -hmm. And I guess that would be the the connection there. Mm -hmm. But um, I I feel like 1917 did a better job of making you feel things for the characters as opposed to feeling things because of war. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like if you're in war with Mm. one or you're... In war, like not in the war, you're like in war within each other. It's personal because you're in their personal space. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah. the other one is like you feel like you're out in the open and you're gonna die because an asteroid's coming or some shit. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. you're exposed in one, and the other you're you're like hiding. Yeah, I get that. I can definitely get that. Yeah, plus like in Dunkirk, I mean, there because there's like a number of characters that are going around at the same time, and it's. You're spending so much time kind of like still trying to figure out exactly what's going on or how these stories are going to interconnect and stuff like that. And in 1917, you're more just like, I'm following a linear story and I'm following these characters. So I have more time to develop with these characters as they're going through these arcs. Also, their faces look different in 1917. (laughs) Yeah. In Dunkirk, I had a hard time following it because sometimes the men look the same. Yeah, I, I, uh, you're not the only one who has, who said. I've heard many people saying that, like the, the, the part of the story with that was on the beach. Mm-hmm. A lot of the soldiers they looked similar, so you're just like, oh, I'm just seeing, not really seeing a difference other than like Harry Styles and like one other dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, they like, of course, like they're they're both vastly different, but they're both kind of similar. And I 
they I may, definitely use your suspense against you. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think, and I and I think in 1917, the lack of so much of a soundtrack kind of like allows your mind to kind of play tricks with yourself because you're just like, what is that noise? What am I hearing? Is that a plane coming? Is that a shot fired? Mm-hmm. Like, are soldiers coming? And in Dunkirk, they were like. You know, Hans Zimmer's soundtrack, Hans Zimmer's composing the soundtrack, is, I mean, Hans, it's, it's Hans Zimmer, but like, it was like forced upon suspension, forced mm-hmm. upon thriller. And in 1917, you're just like, I have to like, br- I have to take, I have to take a deep breath with these guys. Dunkirk made me feel like when I was barely in high school mm-hmm. and Iraq was going to happen, mm-hmm. that sense of fear Oh, yeah. That the world is ending. Mm. Dunkirk made me feel that. Oh, okay. Wow, shit. Um, 1917 made me feel like I had a mission. Mm, okay, wow. And the nothing else mattered but to get this mission done, no matter who was dying. Mm. And, and it was more realism, yeah. I think. As opposed to, I feel this fear because there's a lot of scary things going on. Mm. And, you know, the other one's like, you know, I'm just... It makes you, gives you a purpose. Yeah, like, I have I have something to do. I can't focus on that, but there's a lot of bad shit happening, too, but... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, would you <clears throat> would you be able to say who did the... Well, I mean, you you already said that you like 1917 more than Dunkirk. Uh, so does, would you say that goes in the same way with um, with the story? Like, you think 1917 told, told a better war story? Or you think Dunkirk did a better job with that? Um, it depends on what kind of story you want. Uh, you think is more important? Okay. Uh, Dunkirk wants you to believe that war is scary mm. all the time. Yeah. There's there's no downtime. Mm. If there is downtime, don't trust it because then the next second you're going to be fighting for your life again. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something, some kind of truth to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course it's like you're, um, you're watching a movie Yeah. and they want you to know that you're watching a movie. Yeah. So of course they have to give, keep you in suspense the whole time. Yeah, they have to keep you engaged in the story. Right. Yeah. There's not really any real beats to it. Well, there, there Dunkirk? are a f- yeah, yeah. There like, are a few. I think that kind of goes with Nolan's style. His his, his, his <laughs> storytelling is like way different. Like sometimes you're like, am I in Act Two or Three now? You know. Yeah. Um. So if you want, if you want someone to know how bad a war was, as far as how how scared it could make you feel, mm-hmm. I think Dunkirk would be the one. Yeah. If you want someone to know about how hard it was in the trenches, the camaraderie, mm-hmm. um, not, you know, this one had beats, right? Like, there was some downtime. They were having conversations with each other. There was even, like, some joking around, a little bit yeah. of lightheartedness, yeah. Um, and then there's, I think this one was more played out more realistically. 1917? 1917 was. Yeah, um, I'd have to I'd agree with you. And the gore, like, the gore, like, I know it's bad, mm-hmm. but they did it with purpose. Like, it yeah. wasn't like an 80s slasher film, Yeah, you know. Um, 
It wasn't hard boiled. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely. Um, I think that one would give you more of a sense of how people feel when they're in war. Like, yeah. I don't think it's really giving anything away, but Schofield made comment about how he didn't like going home, mm. and he just he didn't want to be home anymore. And war does that to people because I was married to a Marine and um, he really hurt me when he said he went to Iraq and when he came back home, all he could think about was he wanted to go back. Jesus. Um, So it's, it's real. Like, yeah. And things affect people in different ways. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. I'll have to, uh, I would okay. I would have to say maybe. I don't know, like nineteen seventeen. I, I, I it's kind of hard for me to choose between nineteen seventeen and Dunkirk. I think I can. I probably could watch them back to back, because this because they're so engaging. It's just like you know the day in the life of a person during World War One. You know, and the day in the life of a person in World War Two. You know, I just I I'm kind of getting that sense when I think of both those movies. I can't really say I would pick. I I mean I like maybe I would probably say I like. Uh, I must say 1619. Uh, 1917 more because of how well it was shot and how engaged the story brought me. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, it's it's got track shots and I'm a sucker for those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I feel like I felt a I felt a more of a connection with the two characters, uh, Schofield and Blake, uh, in 1917 than I did with any of the characters in uh, Dunkirk. Even like the father and the son connection story, I was like, oh, I'm with it, but I wasn't really too with it. You yeah, know, I just I just liked how nice it looked, how amazing it looked. Yeah, so I'll probably have to go more with like 1970 on this one. Um, and before we move on, um, <clears throat> one of the bigger differences mm. between the two films is that even though the only a, f- a couple like two or three decades had passed between the wars, yeah, um, 1917 was actually a much simpler time. Yeah. Um. As far as, you know, from, I'm obviously I didn't live in that time, but you know, like they didn't have as much technology. Like they weren't, there wasn't like a nuclear fear and Mm. all that, like there was in world war two. Yeah. Um, so like even in the span of those 20 or 30 years, there was a huge advance in technology and different things that would make World War Two feel like the world was actually ending. Yeah, yeah. They call I what they call it, like the war, the war to end all wars or something like that. Yeah, they call it World War Two. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree with that. <coughs> so yeah. All right, can't wait. We are doing our geriatric cinematic hard boiled. Synopsis is a tough-as-nails cop teams up with an undercover agent to shut down a sinister mobster and his crew. That sounds like it could be any movie. But it's not. It's hard-boiled. It could be any movie. But are any of those movies directed by John Woo? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, it is directed by John Wu, and he is best known for A Butter Tomorrow, Face Off, and Red Cliff. And um, he also wrote it with Barry Wong, who's best known for Fight Back to School in 1991. Hold on, there's, this movie has a script? Yeah. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> I refuse to believe that. <clears throat> well, it had a script, and then they started shooting it, mm. and then they threw the script out. But kept that one scene in. <laughs> this film. All right, bit of a confession. I have I've seen I've seen several John John Woo films. This one I don't know why I I just never really sat down to watch it. I've seen bits and pieces. <laughs> I've seen clips of it. I get the references. I know what John Woo's style is, but I never sat down and actually like watched John Woo. But this one, sitting down, watching John Woo, whew, dear lordy, this was a phenomenal, exciting film. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. <laughs> I almost asked you, was it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like if I wasn't there watching it with yes. you. <laughs> you and You and I were just like, what the fuck? The first five minutes, <clears throat> huge gunfight in a tee shot. Just blah, 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 blah. With all the birds. With all the... Oh! John Woo's birds. John Woo's birds. Oh, my God. Um, He should open a shop called John Woo's birds. Shit, I want to invest. I want to invest in that. (laughs) Every time you walk in, they hand you a gun. (laughs) Uh, This film's fucking phenomenal. I absolutely love this fucking movie. I love... I just... and And at the same time, it's like... It's like watching... It's like watching... uh. Like a gunfight happening at a ballet, <laughs> or like it's a ballet gunfight. Yeah, like the way how they were like moving around and like swooping in and shit. Like this is crazy part where like you know, of course, I like this badass part where like uh, Chow Young Fat to begin the film. It's like going down the rails with his two pistols, like shooting the bad guys and like blah 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 and all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And what did, what did you say about that that rail scene? Um, that that one. Was he did on his own? That it was not written that way. Ob- Absolutely, I don't <laughs> doubt that. This movie was like if someone was like, "Hey, let's make an action film." All right, cool. And they was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do this. You gonna do this? Go like that." <laughs> well, John Woo said that that's how he does things anyway. Yeah, I don't like doubt he that. imagines something and mm-hmm. then he he has people help him choreograph it, mm-hmm. um, and he just makes it happen. So I was like, "Oh, this cool action scene plays out in my head." So we're gonna. You know, do this fucking action scene now. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, go on. So that's it. <laughs> that's what he does. I know, I don't, I don't doubt that. Um, the, the acting, though. Okay, I, all, right, all right, take that back. I don't want to say the acting was bad. I actually like the acting. It's just the dubbing, which is the so bad. The dubbing was bad. <laughs> the dubbing was so bad. Like, you Ooh, can. Uh, I have something to say about the dubbing. Okay. For, no, say what you want to say first because I actually I feel like I feel like with the dubbing for the for the male roles, they got a total of like two or three guys for all the male roles and they just like switched them here and there in different variations of like high and low voice low pitches. All the characters had their voices dubbed by their own actors in order to save money. Oh, for like the American version or for the uh 
for the for for the American dubbing or for the the the, the like the ADR and stuff like that. No, the American dubbing. Wow. I don't doubt that. Holy shit. <laughs> um, John Woo stated this was convenient as he did not have to worry about setting up boom mics and other sound elements. <laughs> yeah, like you can tell, like they they spent they spent more time planning out these action scenes than they did of like uh like sound equipment and stuff like that because uh-huh. they knew like they knew it's gonna be a lot of bang bang boom boom explosions and stuff like that yeah um <clears throat> i thought that the the plot itself was kind of like kind of not followable in a sense yeah there were a couple times i was like wait what's going on who's that why are we following this dude now yeah um so i'm like okay whatever but the acting itself was funny. Mm. Oh, we gotta talk about your favorite track shot. Let's let's say that in the end because I want to. I want to actually let's say that to the let's actually say that in the end because I, re- I want to just I want to focus on that for a couple minutes. Okay. Um, the the person who played his love interest that was in the office. The lady, yeah. I thought it was weird how she kept getting those roses, and they made it seem like she had another love interest. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, no, this undercover guy is sending her messages and the flowers for yeah. the superintendent. Like, yeah, and he was sending her like a lot of flowers. Like yeah. her room was filled with flowers at one point. It was just like <laughs> that's kind of obvious. Yeah, yeah, it's like obvious, or you couldn't like, I don't know. They smoke a lot of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Like, can't you like write a message on the inside of a cigarette wrapper yeah, and then right, roll right. a cigarette? You know? Yeah. Um, I thought it was really great seeing John Woo actually show up in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've, even baby John Woo? Yeah, even baby <laughs> John Woo. Uh, yeah, like John Woo makes a cameo appearance as uh, as, as Chow Young-Fat's character, uh, Inspector... Uh, I want to say his name correct. Oh, Inspector Tequila Yun. And um, yeah, he plays... Like Chow Young-Fat plays like his friend's confidant and stuff like that. And I was just like, hell yeah, Chow Young-Fat. Because they're actually friends in life and he wanted to... Yeah, I don't doubt that, yeah. He wanted to write their friendship into the movie in some way. Oh, okay. Actually, and um, they actually do play music together. I think. What was the uh, What was the thing that uh, John Woo did to his dear old friend in regard to of an explosion? <laughs> John Woo wanted to actually bring the hospital down uh, with explosives, and he had to be talked out of it. Uh, so he brought it down to like a quarter of the amount that he was going to be using for the film. Yeah, and that and that hospital scene is like, how long is that whole hospital scene? That has it's to be like, like half the movie. That's, that's that movie. That has to be like forty minutes of the movie. Yeah, rightfully so. <laughs> so there's a scene where the actors running through like the explosions hospital. and shit. Yeah, Chow Young Fat. Right? Yeah. Okay. And John Woo didn't like the first take. Mm-hmm. Like, he was like, no, I don't like, it's not grand enough. So he took control of the explosions. First of all, he made sure that they were bigger. And then he made sure that they were barely giving the actor enough time to get past. Uh-huh. To the point where when when shooting was done for that scene, the back of his coat was singed. <laughs> and he's like... Um, he He said... He screamed, John's trying to kill me. John's trying to kill me. 
Uh, and then Chow Young Fat was so frightened that he threw his gun down after the tag and asked, Are you happy, you motherfucker? Then he asked, Did it look okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was saying the same thing. Like, did I look good? All right. <laughs> Um, he also wanted to make a movie that glamorized, like, the law. Mm-hmm. Because people were criticizing him for making too many gangster movies and glamorizing that. Yeah, during, like, that time, during, like, the, I remember during, like, the early early to mid-90s, there was a lot of, like, gangster films that glorified violence and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's so, it's so cool that, like, like I, I'm not a big fan of like cop movies unless it's like a really compelling story. This mm-hmm. one I was just like, yeah, I want to, I want to join the Chinese fucking police, man. <laughs> I want to just blast people like this too. Um, for how many people? How long that hospital scene is? Mm-hmm. You would think that their body count was higher. They got like a thousand, right? Yeah. Well, not just for the hospital scene, for like the warehouse gunfight, yeah. the tea shop gunfight, <laughs> um, the gunfight that happens on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> there has to be like half of China had to die. <laughs> <laughs> but no, only 307. That's ridiculous. That's so stupid. <laughs> That's so stupid. Uh, okay, so let's talk. Let's talk about that. Okay, so let's talk about the track shot. Yeah. Okay. Um, of course, you know we like we we picked this movie to do a track shot. Sorry, we picked this movie because of the track shot connection. Um, Hardboil has a the track shot in the hospital scene is actually like legendary. I think it's like over five minutes long or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was and I remember we're watching and I I honestly have never really saw the track shot, but I remember while we were watching, I was like, holy shit, this is the track shot. This is the fucking track shot. Mm-hmm. And it looked so fucking cool. It was like a fucking video game. You were really wondering how they did it, too. Oh, yeah, because it's so awesome. Like, um, uh, Inspector Tequila is rolling with uh, Alan, who's this, who's uh, the undercover cop who's a hitman. They're going through, like, this hospital scene. They're, like, bull- they're in the hospital hall. Like, they're in rooms. They're blasting back guys, like, left and right, swapping positions and everything like that. And it looks so fucking cool. And then, like, the camera, like, an elevator opens and, like, Alan accidentally, like, shoots a cop. <laughs> Let's talk about that quick part. Alan accidentally shoots a cop. And Alan's, and, like, Tequila, like, pushes him in the elevator. And he's just like, holy shit, I, saw, I shot one of our own. I shot a cop. And it's watching Tequila is so determined to, like, bring him out. He's like, you did not shoot a cop. <laughs> like, screaming. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. They didn't have to put that in there. They didn't have to, but it was just like. And I, and I think I think before they stepped out, he was just like, yeah, I did shoot that cop. He's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> but, like, it's so cool because it's a track shot. The, the camera's in the elevator following the, the entire time. And the elevator doors open and they continue the track shot. And I was just like. Whoa, like, did they switch on? Did they actually go to another level? Are they actually, like, blowing up a fucking building? Didn't they make a two-level set? <laughs> yeah, I was totally amazed by this. And then what I found out was the fact that it was so crazy. They, the way how they did it is, like, as they're doing the track shot, the crew had 20 seconds to clean and change the set outside the elevator. So they get into the elevator, the door closes... The entire crew has 20 seconds to move everything. Mm-hmm. 20 fucking seconds. And, cause, and when they come out, it looks like a whole new floor. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa. And the fact that they had 20 seconds to do this, I was just like, 
Whoa, that's fucking amazing. And it didn't get picked up by like the mics or nothing. You didn't know, pick up no mics. You didn't see like a foot like leave the scene real quick or anything. It was like perfectly timed. Mm-hmm. And I can see why this is like a fucking legendary fucking uh, uh, action scene. It was great. Yes, was, it was. I was just, just fawning over this movie. You also made a mention about it. There were certain scenes that made you think of Terminator. Yeah, the guy, the guy who played the uh, who played the goon, um, uh, the the dude whose name is escaping escaping me. Oh, Mad Dog, the guy who played Mad Dog. Uh, he he looked. He reminded me a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator. Mm-hmm. But like the first time, like the way how he looked, with like his eye was covered up, kind of reminded me of when the Terminator lost his eye. The gloves he's wearing, even the jacket he was wearing, was kind of like the same shade as mm-hmm. the first Terminator. Um, and there's one scene <laughs> where. Uh, Alan like walks in in a couple of scenes and he has like a box of uh, roses mm-hmm. and there's a gun in there and I was just like yo that has to be like from Terminator they had to steal that and they didn't steal it where did they get it from I'm like wait a minute I'm like what did you tell me <laughs> um, they both had the same idea at the same time who's they <laughs> Judgment Day, Terminator 2 Judgment Day and uh, Hard Boiled <laughs> They both came out in the same year. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, yeah, But I was thinking, like, damn, they had to steal it. But, yeah, uh, apparently it was from... Um, Dog Day Afternoon did it. And um, The Killing. The Killing. That is Stanley Kubrick. And, it was 1956. Yep. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick. And Dog Day Afternoon, I've seen it, but I don't remember the roses coming out. It's probably, like, when they go into the bank scene. Yeah, it is. It says brings a rifle into the bank. Okay, yeah, it has to be the bank scene. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, but like, I'm sorry, I've been t- kind of talking, talking my head. Up. What did you? I, I want to hear what your take on this whole film. I really like it. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> it's a good example of a film that doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. That, like, if you just want to have a good time, you should watch it because, oh, absolutely. Like every time they get shot. They have their hands waving up in the air, mm-hmm. and like they just do some weird ass shit. They are like, "What the fuck is he doing? Why is he wearing that?" Or mm-hmm. um, even some of the edits are kind of funny. Yeah, like you know, uh, especially Tequila had like a toothpick, toothpick in his mouth, and then a cigarette, and then a toothpick, yeah, and a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know that anything could be released nowadays like that and yeah i think if they did a movie like this it would be more seen as a comedy it would yeah it would well i think this one was meant to be a comedy no it's a, it a serious action film <laughs> okay never mind it's an action film that just so happens to have some funny elements into it yeah uh yeah it would have to be a comedy it would have to be intentionally funny mm-hmm. for it to work yeah. um but i like it you like it mm-hmm. um all right so let, let's let's kind of do a quick discussion on who do you think did attract i mean it's kind of it's kind of unfair to say because 1917 is essentially one big track shot and hard boil is like a five minute track shot but who do you think who who do you think did the art of the track shot better if you had to say or um i think 1917 okay just because there was so much more put into it than mm. just Closing a door and, you know, 20 second trickery. Yeah, I think, um, if I remember correctly, um, Sam Mendes said for 1917 that the 
Oh, I can't find it. But like the trenches that they built, they were like a mile long. Oh, yeah. That's actually um, in the trivia section. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were um, over 5,200 feet of trenches, uh, which is just under a mile. Wow. Um, Also, by the way, Hmm. when he's running, when Schofield is running, Mm -hmm. um, the two times that he bumps into soldiers, Mm -hmm. that wasn't written in. Yeah, yeah. If if folks are worried, that's not a spoiler. It's in the trailers. You see him running. Yeah, you see him running. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, that's definitely... That wasn't written in there. I don't, I don't I doubt that. That was interesting. Uh, but back to uh, night, uh, 1917. Back <laughs> track to... Track shots. Oh. Huh? Track shots. Back to track shots. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, like this movie only has like that one track shot, but it was it was so amazing. Um, I would have to say, okay, I'd say like 1917. They did a really great track shot, track shot in a more... Con- not convenient, but a more thought-provoking way, in a more artistic in a more with more artistic merit behind it uh and i think hardboiled did it in a really convenient like mm-hmm. innovative way like yeah let's, you know let's do this in a low budget way that we know will work yeah and it, and it did it in a really in a really fun way mm-hmm. so i mean like i said there if like i say if you want a really good time with track shots and just kind of just want to just it really see something truly fun just to watch i mean yeah you gotta go with hardboiled I mean, watch Hard Boil in general because it's it's a great film. Why did they call it that? Hard Boil. Yeah. Because it's like another name for like a, a badass detective. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. No, well, I mean, well, actually, it's made it because they like eggs. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Is that it, why they always smell like rotten eggs? Ew. You never smelled a cop that smelled like rotten eggs? A cop that smells like rotten eggs? Yeah. No, they smell like pork to me. <laughs> Not a fan of cops. <laughs> So, yeah. Anything else? Um, oh, do you think hard boil still uh, the hard boiled holds up? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Do you think it, it deserves its 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 fandom, its love? It's cool. I, I do. I think people will watch a baby peeing on Chow Yun Fat. <laughs> that happens. Yeah, that actually forever. happens. Yeah. Um, of course, after. After uh, Hard Boil, John Woo left to try his hand in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't his original intention, but he heard that uh, Hard Boil was like a huge success in, success in America. So he did Hard Target with John Claude Van Damme. That movie's so ridiculous. Broken <laughs> Arrow, Face Off, your favorite. Mission Impossible 2. I actually loved Face Off. <laughs> oh, that's a great... Oh, I can't wait for us to start talking about that movie. I love that movie. That's such a great movie. Um, he later did Wind Talker's Paycheck, uh, but he eventually did come back. I remember, like, when he came in America, people were like, holy shit, John Woo's here. Mm-hmm. You know, he did, like, these great movies, but, like, Wind, Ta- Wind Talker's and Paycheck was, like, flops. So mm-hmm. he came... He went back to China and did Red Cliff and Red Cliff 2, which I've heard is really good. It's, like, a really good epic uh like imperial china kind of like fantasy kind of thing which mm-hmm. i like and i think it stars gently um but yeah i've heard that's a really great movie i think it's interesting um he came to america because his movies weren't doing that well in china anymore yeah they wanted to do comedy like they wanted to see more comedy things they were kind of over the whole dumb action mm-hmm. 
scene. But America yeah. wasn't because America is dumb. Yes. We like dumb action. We love dumb action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, John Woo has a strong cult following. We we actually saw him at a special event. He got his hands and his feet in cement mm-hmm. um, at the Vista. Uh, it was a, it was really nice seeing the dude. I was just like, damn, it's John Woo. He right had there. all kinds of stories about uh, Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan and like and about how his idea of what English houses were. Yeah, you know what? There's a <laughs> no lie. There was a, a behind the scenes that I saw on Broken Arrow, I think. And the interview had asked John Woo like, what kind of? Because sometimes directors they listen to music on set to like motivate him or to kind of figure out the scene. And somebody had asked, the guy had asked him, like, what music do you listen to? Or what music did you listen to, you know, on the set to kind of get you into the mood for these for certain scenes? You know what he said? What? Spice Girls. <laughs> Swear to God. He went, he goes, oh, I really like Spice Girls. And then they cut away to him doing, like, waving his hands. And you hear, if you want to be my lover. Yeah, it was so hilarious. <laughs> So yeah, John Woo, I wonder if he still listens to Spice Girls. Probably does. Probably does. All right. Anything else we got? No, I think that's it. Um, We, you know, we've um, completed our first new structure episode. Mm -hmm. Many more to come. Many more to come. Um, We have to think lee Allen for his contribution to our show with our intro outro music mm-hmm. um you can find us online you know on the social medias uh, they're all at the real appeal to yeah. ease and real mm-hmm. um review us on twitter i mean on twitter jesus i did it again <laughs> yeah no no you, you review us on twitter <laughs> yeah give us give us a good rating on itunes you can email us and tell us how much you love us yeah and of course we're on all we're on all podcast catchers Mm -hmm. so you can find us there whatever whatever tickles your fancy or fanny is it tickle your fanny no it's fancy fancy okay tickles your fancy fanny you know what english people will love you for that (laughs) one (laughs) simon or or james is like Yes, I totally agree. I'd love to tickle your fanny. Yeah, chip chip cheerio. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, okay. So next week, next week, uh, we are going to be reviewing Bad Boys for Life, and with that, we're going to be doing uh, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, we're going to be doing Lethal Weapon. Uh, our connection to that is uh, we've already kind of tackled this connection before. But we're going to do it again because we had a blast doing it last time. But we're going to do uh, Buddy Cop. Yeah. Another Buddy Cop film. Uh, so, yeah. Be prepared for that. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, is there anything else you got to say? Give? Nothing? No. All right. Because we have to, you know, we have to get your final blessing for the show. My final blessing? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say... I'm not going to say that anymore. No, no, no. I got, so, I got something else new. I got something else I'm going to do now. Oh, okay. Okay. So we are going to bid you guys adieu. We hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And the in the immortal words of John Woo, to quote, To be honest, I don't have much time to watch any movies. Yeah.